Yes, indeed. Father, there is a war for our souls, and would to God that we would recognize it, that we would be understanding what the stakes are, what's going on here, and have eyes to see it, ears to hear it, and a heart to know what to do. So, Father, I pray that each one who listens today will be um, opened in their minds and understandings to get this, that this is a war. This has always been a war. It's always been a contest, a spiritual battle between good and evil. And so I praise you and thank you, Lord, that you've won it. That's the comforting news and word that you have won. It is finished. And so help us to maintain our strength and joy and confidence in you, even as the appearance and the wrap-up and the, and the mess of this war continues to drop down on our heads and all around us every day. And so I thank you, Jesus. You died on the cross. You defeated the enemy. You defeated death. You stood in our place. You died and rose again. And because you rose again, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords and Lord over death. I thank you, Jesus, that you have given us also the assignment to be part of your your company, part of your army. And so I thank you, Lord God, for helping us to wake up and uh, stand up and understand how to use our weapons and how to go to war how to stand and having done all to stand. I thank you, Jesus, for the promise that you've given us that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, deed done, action taken will be able to be used against us to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. Now give us your wisdom. Father God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, honey, today we're going to talk about war, obviously. Well, we're in it. Yeah, we are in it. <laughs> well, we got to realize that we're in a war. You know, I want to just share a little story. It's a true story from World War II. There was a, a guy that, just a kind of a peasant guy, that he the war was going on. He got captured by the Germans, and the Russians came in, and he got captured by the Russians. And then he the Americans came in. He got captured by the Americans. <laughs> and and uh, after you know, through an interpreter, uh, when he was captured by the Americans, he said, he asked the question, what was all the shooting about? (laughs) I mean, a world war had occurred all around him, and he was taken captive by three three different nations, and he had no clue that a war had been fought all around him, Mm -hmm. and he was a victim of that. Didn't know he was Mm -hmm. in the middle of a great, great war. And that is exactly true. We're in the middle of a great, great war, a battle that actually began in the garden. And today we're going to kind of trace the evidence that there, of this war and what to do in it. So in Genesis, where it begins, it all begins in Genesis. Everything begins in Genesis. Uh, chapter 3, verse 15, God said when he was um, dealing with the serpent, <clears throat> who now has become the dragon, um, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity or war between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. 
he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There's a lot of things hidden in that verse that, you know, we just fly through it and read it and go on to the next verse. But enmity is war. There's going to be a war set up between you and the woman, the woman, the, the woman being Eve, and between your seed and her seed with a capital S. So that would be Jesus. And this war, um, you know, was going to be now it, it, it between the, 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 the seed. So in other words, Satan has seed. He has um, offspring. Uh, wickedness has also uh, an, uh, a, fa- a family, if you will. And so this war is going on. And Jesus, the seed of the woman, which was the son of Mary and uh, the son of God, will bruise your uh, your your head. He's going to crush your head. And of course, you will be able to nip a bit at his heels and bruise his heels. So this is the beginning of the declaration of the war. And in Revelations, yeah, we Revel- have the, the, the culmination of that. Right, right. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 12 and verses 7 through 9. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that Mm -hmm. serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So wait a minute. And it says, and it says, um, as we continue that passage, just a minute, just a minute longer, he says, um, then I heard a voice saying in heaven, salvation, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him. This is a battle. This is a war. This is how we overcome. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb because Jesus Christ purchased victory over death and in, and lo- loosed us from our enslaved, being enslaved. And by the word of their testimony, so that's the, the testimony of, to the truth, and they did not love their lives to the death. In other words, they were committed to the cause, not even to the point of death. Therefore, he says, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Do you know anybody who dwells in heaven these days? But woe to the inhabitants of earth and the sea, For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. So then we begin to see he began to persecute the the earth. The dragon saw that he was cast to the earth. So the serpent became the dragon. And we now see from beginning to end the bookends of the beginning and the end of this war. uh, And the war on earth continues even as it has already um, been determined from the beginning that this is what would happen. Well, the war is very obvious, and you've got some things here, Marjorie, mm-hmm. about what we see in our world. It's very it's very obvious, or it should be very obvious, yet it is very hidden. hidden. Mm-hmm. Well, what are some of the obvious factors that, that let us know that there's this well, horrible war going on? Because we're so used to it, we don't realize that the effects of the war pain, confusion, separation, um, brokenness, loss, a loss of anything and everything, relationships, finances, family. Um, These are the things that happen in war. You know, in a peacetime, good things happen. 
But in wartime, there's the shattering, there's the confusion. I think, but the problem is we're so used to it. We're so used to living in trouble and difficulty and hardship and bad things and days that go wrong and, and we're, we're, that we're not even, we're used to it and it doesn't even affect us or impress us as something that needs to be resisted or as a demonic force that's against us. Even though we see this war coming down even as patterns uh, of destruction through our generational bloodlines. These patterns come down, doors are opened, addictions, uh, you know, illnesses and whatnot. They all continue to go on and on, and yet we just accept these things without ever stopping and say, why do I accept this? Do I have to accept this? Can I resist this? Yeah, and all the lies <coughs> that come at us on a daily basis, uh, well, murders, mm-hmm. suicides. Well, let me just read a list. Violence <laughs> of all kinds. Yeah, go ahead and hit the Cheating, list. cheating injustices everywhere all the time. Why? Because Satan is the God of this world and he holds the whole world in his sway and he is he hates justice. So everything is not fair. There's blackmail. There's bloodshed since Cain and Abel. There's the shedding of blood. There's intimidation. There's um, bullying. There's accusations, uh, false accusations, uh, trumped up charges, people going to law and suing one another, insecurities, um, that prey on the in, the innocent and the vulnerable, doubt, there's confusion, what to do with my life, there's distractions, all kinds of distractions these days with the virtual realities and the, and the, and the, uh, just the, the technology that causes us to just be pulled up. Yeah, distractions, escapes, there's offenses, there's, of, uh, there's working and living in overwhelming and difficult and impossible odds, there's, um, there's advanced weapons that we don't, you know, biological, everything's been weaponized. The weather's been weaponized. Our food has been weaponized. The mosquitoes have been weaponized. Everything has been weaponized against um, the life of human beings, actually. Um, there's uh, hatred. There's violence. There's murder. There's, it, it surrounds us, you know, that is our, that's like, it's our life is being painted on this canvas of, of war, and uh, we're just kind of either given up uh, or so overwhelmed by it or captured that we don't even know how to stand and having done all to stand. But that's what the Lord says. Now, let's look at a couple of verses. Let's go to Ephesians 6.10 for a minute. Um, and <clears throat> while we, you're doing that, Jerry, I want to just give us a comforting word in Isaiah. And I use this word a lot when we pray that no weapon formed against us will prosper that every tongue which rises up against us in judgment, we will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. So our righteousness, which is from the Lord, has given us the protections we need from God to stand and having done all to stand against the the weapons of the enemy, the words of the enemy, his actions that have risen up against us to condemn us. Remember what they said in Revelations, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb. That's already been done, which has brought us righteousness by the word of our testimony. In other words, we're agreeing with the lamb. We're agreeing that our righteousness comes from him and they love not their lives to the death. In other words, there was something more important to them than their physical life and existence on the earth. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of, of his, his might. might. Mm-hmm. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes or the strategies of the devil. Mm-hmm. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So this the wrestle, very intense, very up close and personal, to mm-hmm. say the least. Mm-hmm. We wrestle against 
not flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There's a whole army of various ranks of spiritual forces that That come come against against us. But then in verse 13 says, take up, therefore take up the whole armor of God. Why do we need armor if there's not a war? That's right. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore. So it's standing, Mm -hmm. standing, standing. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having your shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the readiness of the gospel of peace, um, ready to bring the word wherever. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts or the flaming arrows mm-hmm. or the missiles mm-hmm. of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. And it goes on, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all all the saints. saints. Mm -hmm. And he talks about to pray for me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel Mm -hmm. for which I am an ambassador in chains (laughs) that in it I may speak boldly as I ought. So, uh, well, notice that speak. standing and having done all to stand, when Moses was facing the Red Sea, what did God say to him? Stand still and see the salvation of, of the, the Lord. Lord. And then at, at, after that, God opened the Red Sea, and then God said, tell the people to move forward. And so the thing is, this is the courageous part, where we stand in the confidence that God knows what he's doing, and God is um, giving us the breastplate of righteousness. We That's already been accomplished. Many people are, you know... Um, you know, th- like you said this morning, this is more than people behaving badly, these things that are happening around us, the the distractions, the murders, the violence. This is more than just people behaving badly. This is a, an insidious, calculated um, assault that against us and engineered in hell uh, by the forces of wickedness that are much more cunning than we are. And the only way we can outlast them is through the wisdom of God and submitting to and being carried in um, Christ. And he, he is the victorious one. So and in, in first Corinthians, we all, second Corinthians, sorry, we see also another, um, you know, uh, confirmation of this war in chapter 10, where we see um, verse three through five, the weapons for, for though we walk in the flesh and others, and no, and though we have a body, we do not war according to the flesh. We're not picking up carnal instruments, weapons, missiles, planes. Um, you know, we do not war according to the flesh. In other words, there's another level of war that's above or exceeds the flesh, and that would be in the spirit world. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, uh, not earthly, not material, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, what are those weapons? How do they work? It says casting down arguments, arguments, spiritual arguments, uh, uh, lies, fabrications, narratives that Satan puts out there to convince the masses that they're fine, they're okay, and all they need is another, another you know, fix of some sort. 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Because what happens is all of these things that we try to use to medicate, to fix, to solve the problems of our life are all temporal and temporary and they don't work. They, they don't last. So, but what does he say? Casting down the arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I would say bringing every thought, every, every response of the soul, whether it's a feeling or a thought or the, the, or you're blanketed with confusion. See, the soul is the, the real battlefield, um, not the mind, because there's more than the mind in the soul. There's the, the body, there's the soul, the mind, will, and emotions. So the, it's, it's the, ba- the battle goes on between the, the soul, uh, and we call the soul combination combined with the body, the flesh. There's that battlefield of the weaknesses that we were born into, our human needs, you know, physical needs, our soul um, weaknesses, the experiences, the lies that we've been programmed to believe through the experiences that we've had in this world versus what God says in the spirit. So God's spirit speaks to our spirit and our spirit then as we take up the truth becomes an enemy actually to what's oftentimes going on in our own souls. And Satan is trying to use that to divide us. So what we have to do is be wise in that this battlefield is the valley between your soul and your spirit. And many people go back and forth in that, even believers, back and forth, back and forth between doubt and fear and, and, and confidence. And, but we base our, our progress on most of the times on our feelings, on our feeling. I feel good today. Well, I feel God's presence today. Well, I feel like it's going to be all right. I feel, feel, feel. You know, it doesn't matter how you feel because your feelings can change in a second. One one second, and in one literal split second, your feelings can all change. And so we can't base our things on something so fickle and, and vulnerable as a feeling or as even a thought. And one of the, the ways the enemy invades, as we'll see in a minute, is to become, even impersonate our thoughts. That's how the enemy gets in. He wears the uniform of your army, and he tries to get in and mingle, and he, he becomes a fifth column in the midst of, of our own forces. And this is this is why we have what we call traitors, traitors in the midst of, of everywhere. And so that's why everybody is out to betray, to, con- to um, um, uh, turn someone else in so they can save their own skin. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, you know, in every way, um, willing to die, even, even um, love not their lives to the death. So when we're in this, we, we know God's talking about the war here. We, we walk, we do not war. There's a battle. I mean, Jesus has overcome. He's victorious. We're talking all these terms are terms that let us believe about, uh, understand war. Yeah, well, Jesus said, <coughs> I believe it's in John 10, that this, the, the thief, referring to Satan as a thief, he comes to steal, kill, kill and destroy. And destroy. Mm-hmm. So he, he's coming to steal our thoughts, to steal our health. To steal our identity. To steal our identity, and that's what's going on now, big time. Mm -hmm. You know, and then his goal, his goal is basically eternal destruction of all of us. Separation from God. That's what it is. That's that's the bottom line. Simple. It's just simple. Separate us from God forever, and there's only one place you dwell when you're separated from God forever, and that's hell. And so, in Luke chapter ten, Jesus talks about. 
um, that battle, the internal battle, the one that nobody really notices. I mean, I think people pick up on when there's an actual war going on, you know, planes are flying, bombs are dropping, you know, strategies are set up and we, you know, it's, it's, there's an excitement to the war when you see the war, um, you know, and people winning, people losing, there's a, there's an emotional excitement, there's a, a participation, but in this silent war, actually, that goes on in the soul, um, Jesus talks about that, describes it in Luke chapter 11. Um, and I'm going to start with verse 15. But some of them said, he cast out demons by Beelzebub, by the ruler of the demons. So he had just healed a man who was mute, who could not speak. And when the demon, uh, he was mute. And so it was when the demon had gone out that the man spoke, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. So they saw the evidence of the demon, uh, the mute spirit going by this man actually being able to speak. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, by, uh, by the, the ruler of the demons. In other words, you know, and, and others testing him thought, sought from him a sign from heaven. So everybody's confused. They don't know who he is, what's going on, why he's doing what he's doing. Is it really true? Is it really real? Is it just smoke and mirrors? Is it magic tricks? What is it? But he, verse 17, knowing their thoughts, in other words, their thoughts were very much uh, in crisis and conflict. They didn't know what to think. He said to them, here, okay, listen, listen, let's use some logic here. Let's use some common sense here, people. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. This is a favorite trick of the enemy to divide and conquer. And a house divided against a house falls. You know that in your own family. When the family doesn't always agree and they have different opinions and different ways of looking at things, they become divided, they become angry, they walk away, they don't want to participate. The strength of that house is now broken. Um, when Jacob went to take down, the, the, went into the land that God had given him and began to take down the, the occupants around him who were threatening him, him and his 12 sons, they, they waged battle against these, these en- enemies and they were united in their house. They were united as one and that gave them strength. Unity brings power and strength. But verse 18, if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, then by whom do your sons cast them out? Beelzebub? Are they using Beelzebub too? Therefore, they will be your judges. In other words, you're judging me, and but you are also in, in effect then judging your own sons. But if, you, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So the kingdom is here right now in this clash, in this conflict between the mute spirit and the man who wanted to speak. That kingdom war was going on right inside that man's body, in his neurological systems, in his mouth, in his, in his brain, where that spirit probably sat and, and controlled his speech area. You know, when a strong man comes fully armed, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. Who is the strong man? Well, that's the man who belongs to the house. The house belongs to him. He's guarding his house. He's rightfully there. He has the authority to be there. He's guarding it. His goods, his accomplishments, his, um, you know, his gifts, whatever, are, his children are in peace. But when a stronger than him comes upon him and overtakes him or overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his house. So he takes his armor. Well, what's the armor? The armor is righteousness. The armor is truth. The armor is uh, the shield of faith. The armor is uh, the helmet of salvation. The armor is the, the 
energy to run the gospel and teach the gospel through the shoes of the gospel. Um, and so, the, the, you know, all of these things that, that are critical to our stand and having done all to stand to know the truth, to know that our righteousness is in Christ, to know that we are saved. To, you, if you are still fussing whether or not you're saved or don't know if you're saved or are, you know, not sure you're okay, you're not sure you're righteous, not sure you're good enough to preach the gospel, you are double-minded on a slippery slope and you'll never accomplish anything. So we have to have this assurance. Though the, the, so the armor in which he trusted is, is taken away and Satan comes to devoid, uh, 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 divide the spoils or he, uh, he plunders the house. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather scatters. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, oh, he was in there. Hmm. He goes through the dry places seeking rest. This is true. This is red lettered. This is not me making something up here. This is what really goes on in your soul. And you need to pay attention because there's nobody else who's going to pay more attention to your soul than you. So finding none, finding no place to rest, he says, this unclean spirit says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. So we cleaned it all out. We made it perfect. We promised we'd never do that again. We get all this mindset going on that, you know, it's up to me to make myself holy and stay clean and be good. And when he goes, he, and then he goes, this unclean spirit goes, he's plotting. He takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Okay, he's got intelligence. He figured this out. He can't lick that man just by himself. So he's going to bring in all of the vices, all of the evil, all of the condemnation, the guilt, the shame, the sin, the troubles. He can to just take this man down um, and, and they enter and dwell there and the last state of the man is worse than the first. What, so is there any hope here? Well, what, when Jesus said this this happens, the, the evil spirit, you get it out, then it comes back in? Well, the, the, yeah, the old this evil, is war. evil spirit goes out, okay? What is to prevent that evil spirit from coming back with his well, buddies? It says, he's, it says the house is swept and in order, but it doesn't say there's anything filling it up. I something, believe something else has, has to, to be put in its place. Yeah, the, the vacuum and has you, to be filled. And you are the still the master of the house. Now you've got your, your power back. So what are you going to do? Are you going to play with evil again? Go see if you can take another drink and you can handle it this time or take another puff off the cigarette or, you know, go and look at pornography again or whatever it is that you're tempted to do, which, by the way, you don't even want to do because you're built by God to mm-hmm. not want to do it. And so when you do it, you feel bad and guilty. And then you're in this trying to catch up phase, trying to make it good again, trying to, you know, overcome again. But God says, um, Paul says, um, this is a war over the truth. This is the Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. I'm the way, the, the truth and the life. And so the war in this world is between lies and truth, between Satan and God, between heaven and hell, between truth and justice and the kingdom of God being done on the earth. Even Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there is a difference between what's going on on the earth and what's going on in heaven. And we're running out of time to get this. You're running out of time. Satan is intensifying. He knows his time is short. He's picking up the pace. He's intensifying. He's double, triple teaming people and they're being overcome overwhelmed and the only way out of it is to cry out to jesus christ and his spirit yeah he says and if you go back a little bit from luke chapter 11 in luke chapter 10 
Yeah. Uh, verse 17, and the 70 was returned with joy. Jesus had sent them out two by two to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, all that, preach the kingdom, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan like lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So and, in, and in chapter 9, verse 1 of that same book, he says, he called his 12 and he said to them, gave them power and authority, again, power and authority, over all demons and to cure diseases. Yep, so there it is. But he says, um, we have authority given by God in the name of Jesus mm-hmm. over these powers of but darkness. But it, it's, it's not for cowards. This war is not for cowards, and it's not for people not who... Not for the faint of heart, for, for sure. It's not for those who look at the appearances and go with their feelings and faint at the, you know, at the drop of a hat because it's too hard. It, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, God will never... Not allow, not prote- not allow you to be tested or tempted above that he's able to keep you. But with every temptation, he, he makes a way of escape that you may be able to bear it because God is faithful. So God is not the one playing against you. He's not the one setting you up to see how strong you are, how faithful you are, how good you are at the battle. That is not God. God is not treacherous in this. Stop thinking God is the one setting you up. It is God who delivers us, and it is God who wants you to not look at the snakes and the serpents and the brood of vipers and the spirits of deception and divination and accusation, but to look to him, look to him, get your eyes glued on Jesus Christ and look to him, otherwise you're going to perish in and be faint-hearted. You're going to look and say, oh my God, this is never going to work. So the battle is, is really a battle in, in that, um, again, is a battle of faith. Are we going to believe what God says, the report of the Lord? Or are we going to believe what it looks like? And everybody down here has been trained in two things, to look at and judge people by behavior and to, and to judge th- things by the way they look or by the way they feel. This is not, this is the devil's strategy. He creates these distractions, these smoke and mirrors, fear, feelings, and and counterfeit thoughts. When this strong man comes to get in, again, stronger man comes to take over the strong man's house. How do you suppose he gets in? Does he knock on the door and say, "Here, I'm here. I'm here to steal from you"? No. How does he get in? As an enemy? No. He comes as in a as a as a friend and as a visitor. Um, we've interviewed people and we've asked them, "Who is the devil?" Well, he's your best friend. He'll give you everything you want. That's exactly correct. Mm -hmm. For now, he will. He will coddle you and lie to you and make you think your life is fine until the the brood of vipers spring up and bite you and you die. Here's a a great issue in this war. Uh, In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, but even if our (coughs) gospel is veiled. In other words, our our good news of Jesus Christ is brought forth. It is veiled or hidden to those who are perishing. Why is this? Whose minds the God of this age has Has blinded, blinded. who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So if you if people are blind, the word the you can shine a, a big spotlight at them and they can't see. Mm-hmm. So so you can bring, 
you can bring the, the truth light, yeah. of the gospel mm-hmm. to somebody, but if they're blind, what has to happen? A miracle has to take place mm-hmm. that spiritually their eyes will be open. So you know, there's a difference between being blind and living in the dark. Because right. a person who's living in the dark, if the light is brought into that room or that place, they'll see. They'll see. But, but if, if you're blind, spiritually blind, you've you been won't see. your heart has been hardened. You can't you've been see. turned over to that spirit of deception. Uh, that you've believed that lie for so long, you refused the love of the truth for so long, you've reasoned and rationalized your way away around it so that now you're hardened and your eyes are spiritually blind and you are in trouble because the only one that can open your blind eyes is the Lord God himself and pray to God that repent so that he will do that because Otherwise, here's how the enemy comes. He comes dressed up looking like us. He comes in, like we were saying. Angel of light. Angel of light. Uh, ministers of, of Minister unri- of righteousness. He comes looking like that. He's a false prophet. He's a spirit of deception and divination, and they're very cunning. And because people don't know the word of God very well, they don't have the real to, to me- measure against the counterfeit. So they can't tell the counterfeit from the real because they don't know the real. And so these de- de- spirits of, de- but Jesus, by their fruits, you shall know them. So if you take a moment to check out, you know, I, I, it's very tragic how these spirits of divination are deceiving the young people, the old people, um, you know, coming in because they know they're hungry. When we're hungry for something, here's another big ploy that the, uh, in the war, Satan is a fisher of men. And how do you fish? How do you catch a fish? You can only catch a fish when the fish is hungry. And if the fish is not hungry, if we're satisfied with God, with his word, with his promise, with his faithfulness, with his goodness, with, you know, the finished work of Jesus Christ, finished. Why did Jesus say on the cross, it's finished? Why? Because it is. It's finished. It's done. And all the stuff you're struggling and striving to try to do to make yourself better and be good to get to heaven is a waste of your time. You need to acknowledge that the Lord God has done it. It is finished. And now get busy being about your father's business, which is to preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, and let your own righteousness and perfection and improvement be his problem. Let the Holy Spirit work in you to will and do of his good pleasure. And as you're following him, he will perfect that which concerns you. But you will be busy then doing the right thing instead of doing the wrong thing. Everybody out there is all bound up in trying to be good to get to heaven. Although everybody out there knows you don't get to heaven by being good. Everybody knows you get to heaven because Jesus Christ died on the cross. We all know the right answer. So why are we pursuing the wrong answer 100%? full speed ahead. It doesn't make any sense except the fact that we're not convinced that it's really finished and it really Jesus really did what he said he did. And so we come in and so Satan comes in presenting us dressing dressing himself up to be and sound like our thoughts, you know, and and tempts us in our minds. Well, that's where temptation happens. Temptation the battlefield is in your soul, your body and your soul. Your body is weak, your soul is vulnerable. And so he comes in tempting us with presenting to us temptations as if they are our own thoughts. And we don't recognize that that's not my thought because we we heard it coming out of our mouth. So we're assuming that that I am depressed. I am bipolar. I am never going to make it. I am a loser. uh, I don't, I'm mad at God. All of these words coming out of your mouth, if you test that fruit, you'll know that it's not from heaven. You are not bipolar. You're made by God and God is not bipolar. So get over it. That's just a, a, a legal 
diagnosis that was given to you so that we could get third party pay. Okay, that's what it is all about money. And they don't care about you at all. So stop believing lies about yourself because God did not create you with these things. The enemy wants you to accept them so he can continue to operate in you. So you have to take captive every thought. That's what that means. Stop thinking that every thought you thought or thoughts you thought. Stop it and say, whoa, who said that? Where are you from? It's very simple. There's only two kingdoms. There's only two sides in this war. And you're either on God's side, you're either with him. Like he said, you're either with me or against me. That's what he said. He said, he's not, who he is not with me is against me. God's saying, Jesus, there's two sides, only two. You're with me or you're against me. And you say, well, I'm sort of with God. Well, then you better sort of make sure that you're completely with God and get out of the middle ground because that is the war zone. I'd like to share what we can describe as a lifestyle of overcoming the power of Satan. And it's in Romans 12, 9 through 21. And, and we'll go through this quite quickly here because it's about time to wrap up for today. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Now, this is, this is a strategy for overcoming the Amen. enemy. Mm-hmm. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lacking in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, mm-hmm. distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. If you want to do something, do this. Here's here's your here's your strategy yeah. right here to overcome the powers. Be of Be busy doing the right thing. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Mm-hmm, of yourself. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him a drink. Because mm-hmm. they're not really your enemy anyway. Human beings are really not. Yeah, that's what the For Bible says. in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Here, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome. But go overcome, overcome evil, evil with, with good. And Timothy told Paul to rightly divide the holy word of God. You know, discern it, understand. Don't just swallow everything. Just don't believe everything that you're told just because some authority who is, you know, authority or professional has told you. Go back to the word of God. And Jesus said, remember, in the last days, the telltale sign of the last days would be deception. Jesus said in Matthew 24, do not be deceived. Many will come in my name saying I'm and saying and sounding, looking like me. Uh, trying to persuade people, deceive people, even if possible, the very elect. Um, why is there such a big effort part on the part of the enemy to deceive us? Because that's all he can do. He he only has the lie to work with. He doesn't can't use the truth, but he can use parts of the truth to tell a lie. But he hates the truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ. Um, so there is a war. There is the de- and part of the war is the deception that there is no war. Um, so l- let's understand the strategies. Um, and take captive those thoughts and ask the question, where are you from? What, what kingdom do you serve? And then submit to God and begin to resist the devil. And 
Also, the other thing which we didn't cover today is to know where you are weak, where you have been worked over by the devil, where you have been uh, brought to the place of insecurity or lack of confidence, and ask the Holy Spirit in those places where you are weak, where you've been traumatized, where you've been uh, shut down, confused, your mind has been blocked, ask the Lord to set you free and heal you so that you can be awake and alive and alert to what's going on. And so, Father God, we should, you know, we just thank you, Father. We thank you for that the war is already won and that you're coming back and that all of this is going to be brought into truth and justice and, and righteousness, Father God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you. We believe your word. We believe you. All these generations that have fought in this war and have died, many casualties, Lord, we thank you that you already have the victory in Christ Jesus for us, that each one today be encouraged, not just, you know, excited in their emotions, but really super deeply encouraged to make a shift in their their being so that they will shift into the place of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit of God. And we thank you, Father, for that shift and for that solid foundation, the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to encourage you two things. Uh, we're having a workshop called Recovering Your Health uh, on September 17th in Minneapolis um, at the uh, uh, Valiant Church. Um, it's Saturday, September 17th uh, from 10 to 3. And we invite you to come, Recovering Your Health, because that's a battlefield as well. And eating is a very spiritual act, believe it or not. Uh, and the, the second thing is to check out the book called Cravings. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? It's very insightful in many, at, at many levels. One of the, the most inspiring books you can ever read on a lot of things that give answers to why I do what I don't want to do. Cravings. Um, check it out at liferecovery.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.